0: Started a series a couple weeks ago uh, talking about before it's too late. And uh, wh- one of the words I really feel for, that is for us at this moment in life is urgency. I believe there's an urgency or we should live with an urgency that, that says, if there is something important for me to do, then it's important for me to do it now. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't waste any more time. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what life is going to be six months from now, a year from now, ten years from We don't know. But I do know that time is running out. We, we get that from Scripture. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Time is short, and the time for us to do what we need to do is now. You know, as we think about life and, and we get to the maybe the end of life or our life, whatever it is, uh, oftentimes we have regrets. We wish we would have done this, wish we would have done that, I wish I'd have taken more time with this. Very seldom are our regrets, our people's regrets at the end of their life, have to do with doing things. Most often, it has to do with their relationships with people. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have taken care of this relationship. I wish I would have made things right with them before it is now too late to do that. And a lot of things, and a lot of times, those things have to do with our own family members or friends. Things that we have left undone that we're now like, Oh, man, it's too, I, can't re, I can't redo that. So my challenge for us is today, we're going to talk about our relationships. We're going to talk about people. And what do I need to do before it's too late when it comes to the people in my life? You know, I've heard many times, I think you've probably heard many times, that um, when it comes to family members, especially, whether, whether it's the end of your life or their life, we, we have a, a list of things that we say, I wish I would have. And then you fill in the blank. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done a little bit more of this. Or I wish I would have made things right with them before it was too late. Because we realize that when the greatest, one of the greatest assets that you can accumulate in life is people. I mean, you can have all all the resources in the world but it's people that really are your greatest valuable asset in life I mean when you think about people it's uh, there's some of the most rewarding our times with people are most rewarding the the most fruitful uh, the most fulfilling the most joyous but it can also be the most frustrating thing right I mean you've I've heard pastors say before, you know what? Ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Now, if it wasn't for people, you wouldn't be doing ministry, right? But it's just it's that way. We have that in our own lives. People can be a real blessing, yet sometimes they can be a real challenge. So, my challenge for us today is this. What is it that you need to take care of with the people in your life before it's too late. Here's what it says. We're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And it starts off by saying this, most important of all. Now, when you hear the, the phrase most important of all, what do you think? Well, you think what they're about to say is of utmost importance. Well, it is. And then you put together that this is in the Bible. How much more important is the most important thing of all, right? So, this is top-notch. This is top-level stuff right here that he's talking about. He says this, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. So, we know, you've heard many times, the most important thing in the world is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love people deeply. Love others deeply is what we're to do. So, The next question then is talking about people. How important are relationships with people when we think about coming to the end of or living in the last days? How important should that be? Well, in in Romans, Paul says it like this in Romans 13. He says, Love does no wrong to others. So, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. In other words, when you take all of the laws and the commandments of the Old Testament, all 813 of them, they all fall under two categories. Love God, love people. If you do those two, you're you're good. You've got all the laws covered. This is what Jesus tells us. And then he says, this is all the more urgent, there's that word, for you have for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for, your salva- for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Talking about loving other people. I mean, even 2,000 years ago, they talked about how urgent it was that we love people. So 2,000 years later, I don't think that urgency's wore off. (laughs) It's even more urgent for us to be able to do that. So, who are you? The question is, who are the people in your life that you need to make peace with before it's too late? That's the title of our message today. Making my peace with people. Well, here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone okay if it's up to you there's there's going to be people in your life that you you do your very best you work really hard and it's just very difficult but you do what you can what's what the best of your ability to live at peace with everyone so what does that look like what does it take for you as a human being, to be at peace as much as you can with everyone that's in your life. Seems impossible, but it really isn't. We're going to talk about I have six points for us today, and the first one is this. Write this in your notes. The first thing I need to do is I need to strive for a clear conscience. All right, a clear conscience. Especially when it comes to people. A clear conscience is basically the idea that that when you think about your past and you think about your relationships and you think about the things that you've said to people, the things you've done to people, you can think about all those things knowing that all of the issues have been dealt with, they've all been resolved they're taken care of. As far as you know, you have made everything right with everyone. And you can be at peace. You can have a clear conscience that nothing is left undone. Here's what Paul says in First Timothy. He says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Then in verse 19, he says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep a clear conscience. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So here Paul draws a a connection, a correlation between having a clear conscience and having a strong faith. But you can flip that around and say that if a person has a guilty, unclear conscience, it leads to a faith that is shipwrecked. And so often there is a connection between you and I struggling spiritually, maybe having a lot of doubts, having a lot of questions, having a lot of spiritual struggles in our lives, and all of a sudden we realize that there is this thing, there's this issue that with someone else that I have not taken care of. And the moment you do, the moment you resolve that issue, I'll, t- I'll show you how do you do that in a moment, all of a sudden those spiritual issues that you were facing all of a sudden begin to clear up. So there's a connection with that that we're going to talk about here today. Now, having a, cl- a clear conscience does not mean that you've done everything perfectly. Okay, that's not the goal. I mean, obviously the goal is do your best, right? But for you to have the goal of having done nothing wrong, everything perfect, it's just not realistic. You, don't, you haven't done that. You're not that good. I'm not that good. But what a clear conscience means is that you... Are taking you have taken you're taking responsibility for the things that you have not done right and you're trying to make it right you're trying to deal with it make it all good to the best of your ability that's where a clear conscience begins to come in and I tell you what for those of you who have a clear conscience for those of you who have had one you know there's nothing more powerful than than peace of mind that comes with a clear conscience. So that's the first thing. You strive, you work hard toward that. The second thing is, I may need to have a conversation with someone. All right? Uh, let me explain this one. The question might be, well, what, who is it in your life that comes to mind? Maybe even right now as I talk about this. Maybe there's somebody that's been on your mind lately, and you're thinking, I really should call them, I should email them, I should check in on them, for whatever reason. It may be you've lost touch, you may need to get back into touch. It may be someone that you've been at odds with, and you just need to make a connection. You need to make a, have a conversation with someone. Maybe it's a relationship that's strained, and it's all due to a, to a situation situation or, or misunderstand, just a misinterpretation or misunderstanding. It, it's amazing how a simple conversation can clear up a misunderstanding that has had you captive for years. You ever do that? There's been somebody you've been at odds with, maybe not not antagonistic, but there, there's just been tension between you and someone. And it's just been nagging at you. And every time you see them, there's something inside that... Uh, just sort of grinds a little bit. You're you're not sure what it is. You have an idea, and they sort of feel the same way because you you, you get those vibes from each other. And then you finally sit down and you say, hey, what's going on here? I, I don't like feeling this way. I mean, we used to have a connection. We used to be friends, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I feel like there's distance and there's tension between us. And you come to find out it was all due to some misunderstanding that was no big deal. And here you've spent all this time, all these months, years with tension and stress and separation. And you're going, well, that was really stupid. Why didn't we talk about this from the very beginning? Here's what it says in James 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. He says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I like to think that this is like a math formula. If you are quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to get angry. If you do the first two, the last one will follow. In other words... Many of your relationships can be at a much better place if you take more time to listen than you do speak. As hard as that may be, that can clear up a lot of things. Maybe, sort of changing directions in this, maybe the someone that you need to talk to is just letting somebody know how much you care about them. Maybe just telling someone how much they mean to you. And you've just never done that. Hebrews 10.25 says this. You should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing. But you should meet together and encourage each other and do this even more as you see the day coming. What is the day? It's the day that Jesus Christ comes back. It's His return. And the, in other words, the closer we get to that day, which is every day, we should not neglect meeting together. We should not neglect being together as children uh, of God, as the family, as the church, for the sake of encouraging each other. Now, I, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned this, and I, I really believe this is to be true. Hopefully not, but I really believe there's coming a day. When you and I will not legally be allowed to be in a big room like this together for this what we're doing today. For worship and for teaching and gathering together. What do we do? Well, we still need to be together. It may be in homes, it may be in small groups, it may be wherever it is. But this pandemic we've been through and the shutdowns we've had has been a big reminder of how important it is for us to be together as a church family. Just encourage each other. And bless each other. So the thing is this. Whatever it is you need to do to encourage someone, you need to do it today. Today. Before it's too late. There's coming to everything I'm talking about. Sort of like the hourglass. This is about a 30 minute hourglass. There's coming a time when that sand's going to finish. And it's going to be too late. I'm still going to keep preaching a little bit. But it's going to be too late. Okay. (laughs) I'm not that good yet. But that represents our time. And your opportunities to do the things that you know you need to do. Don't wait until the sand runs out. Whatever it is you know to do, do it now. And then number three. This is powerful. I need to forgive those who have hurt me. Very important. All of us here today, every one of us, we have been hurt by someone. Okay, We all have. We can't avoid it. We're human. We say things. We do things. We offend people. We hurt people. We don't mean to. Sometimes we do. We, we have all, all of us have been hurt. So the question is, what have you done with that offense? When somebody's hurt you, what have you done with it? Have you gotten past it by forgiving? That's the only way you're going to get past those things, is by forgiving them for what they have done. Or are you hanging on to it, and are you still dealing with it, and thinking in your mind, I'm not going to forgive you because you don't deserve it. You don't realize how bad you hurt me. I don't know that I can ever forgive you for that. Let me let you in on something. Nobody deserves it. Nobody deserves forgiveness That's what makes it so powerful. okay? The people that offended you, they don't deserve it. The people you offend, you don't deserve it. And when it comes between you and God, you don't deserve God's forgiveness either. So the real question is, don't you deserve to be free from that offense? Because here's the thing. Forgiveness... If you're holding on to an offense, you're the one who is being held captive. The offendee is the one that is captive, not the offender. So when you refuse to forgive, you are the one that is in captivity. We tend to think, the devil tries to tell us that, well... You don't forgive them because if you do, they won't suffer. If you withhold forgiveness, you, they're gonna, you're going to make them suffer for what they did, and that's what they deserve. It has nothing to do with them anymore. It has everything to do with you, with your freedom and your happiness and your well-being as a person. You deserve to be free. The only way you're going to do that is to forgive them for what they have done. Colossians 3.13 says this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So what does all this mean? It boils down to this. You as a person, as hard as it is, you need to come to the point where you consistently forgive anyone For anything and everything that they do to you. And have done and they do to you. Why? Because you consistently need God to forgive you. Which he did when Jesus died on the cross. So as long as you're alive. And as long as you ever make a mistake or say something dumb or do something wrong. You're going to need God's forgiveness. Therefore, because that's the case. You need to be consistently forgiving other people. Not because they deserve it but because you need to be set free. You need to be set free. Number four goes along with this then is that I need to seek forgiveness from those that I have hurt, from my people that I've hurt. See, not only do we need to forgive others, but, but we also need to seek forgiveness from others because we've wronged people. You have wronged people, okay? I'm not, I don't know what they are. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just observing, right? Because we're human, we can't avoid it. There, there's going to be, there has been, there's going to be times when you've said something to somebody and it really offended, it hurt them. You have done something that has really hurt somebody. You may have recognized it at the moment or you didn't have a clue until they told you or they didn't tell you. You don't know. But something in the back of your mind is telling you right now. Remember when you said that to so-and-so? Remember when you did that to so-and-so? That really hurt them. And it's, it's been, it, the more you think about it, the more it's nagging you. And the more it's holding you captive. It's stealing your joy and your happiness. And it just weighs heavy on you. And there is no peace in your heart, especially as you think about them. James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. And then it says, when a believing person prays, great things happen. Now we could spend a whole series on that second part, but it's the first part I want to look at. It says, confess. I don't like that word. Okay, it, it, in my mind I'm going, I need to confess. That means I have to admit something bad that I really did to somebody that really doesn't need to know. Okay, I, just, I don't want to do that. You don't either, I don't think, right? <laughs> you know what confess really means? It just means you admit. You agree with someone. You come clean. And it says that when we confess, when we admit to other people, we simply go to someone and we say, you know, remember back then, and I said I said that to you, or I did this to you. It's just really been bothering me. And I just I just want to come clean. I just I'm so sorry. I'm pretty. I know you were hurt by that. And I just need to come clean. Would you forgive me for that? Now that's 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 what it's talking about. And when you do that, God says there's healing. You receive the healing that comes. Now, you can't control their response. They may say, you know what? I forgave you a long time ago. We're all good. You're forgiven. Hey, it's good. Or they may say, no way. I will never forgive you for what you did. That hurt so bad. It, that doesn't matter for you. You did your part. Healing comes to you when you confess. They can hang on to it. You know what they're going through when they hang on to it? They're in captivity. When they hang on to unforgiveness, even when it's fr- from you, they're the ones that are being held ca- They're the ones without any peace. But you did your part to come clean and to confess, and you get your healing What a powerful way to move towards having a clear conscience. Forgiving others, and then receiving forgiveness from others, or at least seeking it. Number five is I need to bless those who have blessed me. Bless those who have blessed me. Now this one here, I've been waiting a long time to share this because this happens almost every time that I'm at at a funeral or a memorial service. And you hear it. Maybe you said it. Somebody that you care about deeply has passed away and they meant a lot to you and you maybe stand up and, and you share something and you go, oh man, you list all the great things that this person did and what they meant to you and the you, and you comment you end with is, I just really wish I would have told them while they were alive. And I'm going, yeah. And I remember that comment. And so my thought is today, well, why don't you? Why don't you do it now? Why don't you tell people now how much they mean to you? What they, the impact they've had on your life, what a blessing they've been to you, and you do it now before it's too late. So you can bless them, you can encourage them. Wouldn't it be powerful? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were just constantly... Telling people how much of a blessing they are to us while they're still alive? You know what that means is it means that all those things that you would write down and say about a person if you were going to speak at their memorial service, you just pull out that list and you call them up, and say, hey, can we have coffee? Or you just do it, you just do it impromptu when you're with them. You know what I appreciate about you? You know how much you've blessed my life? You know how much you have impacted my life. Why don't we do it now? Why do we wait till it's too late for that one? Bless others. And it's really it's encouraging what Paul did. Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Great missionary, great evangelist. Uh, one of the things he did, he, he used to go to places that people never heard of the gospel. They'd never really heard about Jesus. And he would preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles alike. And people would become believers, become Christians, and he'd plant churches. So all over the region, the known world at the time, churches were starting that Paul had, he, he'd started it, and they were beginning to grow. And then he would write letters to them. That's where we get the letters like Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Thessalonians and all those. The epistles, they call them, the letters to the church. Epistles were not apostles' wives, by the way, okay? Um, sorry. Um, and so here, here's, here's an example of what he wrote to the church in, in, in Colossae. They're in, in your notes in Colossians 1. It says, this is a letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from Timothy, from our brother Timothy. Both of them together. It says, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father... Here, listen to what they say about them, to them. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God Okay, for you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in, Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. So Paul, along with Timothy, are saying, guys, we are so proud of you. We're so excited. Look, you guys are so filled with faith and love. And every time we think about you, we're praying for you and we just thank God for you. Oh, you're just such an encouragement to us. That's Paul. Writing this to the believers in the city and the region of Colossae. How much more meaningful and how much more intentional would your interaction, your conversation, and relationships be? Think about this for a moment. If you thought for a moment that that was the last time you were ever going to see them alive on this earth now i it's not i don't want this to be a morbid thought i want this to be how much more powerful and intentional would your actions and conversations be if that were a possibility if you knew that was a possibility How much more would you encourage people? How much more honest would you be with people? How much more would you bless them and appreciate them and appreciate the moment that you're experiencing together? How often have you heard stories about people who a loved one had just passed away, tragic accident, and they're grieving partly because their last interaction with that person was a bad one what if ever every one of your interactions wasn't a bad one it was a good one and you had zero regrets about not seeing anybody ever again on this earth here's what paul says in colossians 4 he says when you talk you should always be kind and pleasant so that you will be able to answer everyone in the way you should. What's he saying? He's saying every conversation you have with anyone, be kind, be pleasant, and just say things that you should be saying, and saying them in the way that you should. It's pretty good, isn't it? What if we did that? That'd be awesome. That'd be one more. Okay, number six. The last one, a way for me to have peace with other people is, is by helping them to make their peace with God. Last week, we talked about how important it is for us to live every moment with having peace with God and how, how we know we can have that peace, how we're ready to go, and, and there's no doubt about it. See, all throughout Scripture, it's very clear that a huge part of us living out our faith is by telling other people about it, telling other people about our faith, but then helping them to have a faith of their own as well. All throughout Scripture we see this. And one of the greatest regrets, and this, this whole series is trying to minimize the regrets that we get when we realize it's too late, One of the regrets that people have, maybe us, maybe you've had this, is when someone passes away or someone is in our lives and we realize there's a good chance that we won't be spending eternity with them. And you had the opportunity to do something about it. There were times that the Lord laid on your heart. You need to talk to them about Jesus. You need to tell them about your faith and your hope. And you just never did. You never got around to it. You never had the courage. You and And all of a sudden now you realize. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. Now, you can't control other people's decisions. You can't save anybody, but you can sure give them the information they need to make a decision for Christ. So who is it right now in your life that needs to hear about your faith in Jesus Christ? They need to know that Jesus loves them. They need to know that when they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord, they also get to spend eternity in heaven with you. And you would love to see them there with you. There's coming a day when it's too late for that. It's interesting, though, because Jesus was with his disciples one time and uh, you might remember the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well in the region of Samaria that's why they called her the Samaritan woman Um, and he was having a conversation with her the disciples had gone somewhere for lunch McDonald's or something and Jesus stayed because he had some better food uh, some really good powerful uh, nourishment and that was sharing the good news with somebody And he talked to her. And by the time of the end of the conversation, she believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And she was so excited. She runs back to her town, which is really close to where the well was. She goes back into her town, runs throughout the town, yelling and screaming, You've got to see this guy. He's amazing. He told me everything about my life, and he is the Messiah, and I believe in him. You've got to come see him. So here's the scene. Everybody from town is running out of town along the roads leading to the well. In the meantime, the disciples had come back from their lunch. They see Jesus standing near the well and they're going, Jesus, what? Why are you still here? And by the way, we're in Samaria. We probably should get out of here. And Jesus turns to them and he says, Look. And the, as the whole town is running towards them, he says this in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. In other words, look at the people coming. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Now, if you are do any gardening or any farming, you know that from the time you plant a seed until the time you harvest it, it's not an unlimited amount of time. You, you have that time. And when it's time to harvest your crop, you better harvest it, because if you don't get it on time, you lose the whole crop. It goes bad, and it's no good. And so this is what Jesus was saying. He says there's four months from planting to harvest. He says, look around. The harvest is ripe right now. Look at these people coming. In other words, you don't have forever. Once the harvest is done, it's done. And whatever you have not harvested, it's gone. It's too late. Who is it in your life that you have been putting off telling about Jesus. You have plenty of excuses. They all seem really good. <laughs> but they don't matter if it's too late. Now everything I've talked about this morning, just being at peace with people. Now whether whether the end that you know whatever the end is, whether it's your end or our end together, if it's This week, if it's this year, if it's 10 years, 100 years from now, I don't know. But how powerful would it be if you did now everything that you should be doing in life? you did it while you had time, how much more meaningful would life be if you didn't have to worry about getting everything done before it was too late? You did it. How about your relationships? Just think about this one point right now. Your relationships, all the things that you need to do to be at peace with everyone, as far as you can. What if you did it in the next two weeks? And the rest of the year, the rest of your life, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with every. There's no one, and every any time something came up, you took care of it immediately. That every moment of every day, you had peace with everyone, as far as it as much as it was up to you to do that. So whatever it is, folks, don't wait, don't put it off, don't assume you have a week, a month, a year, the rest of your life. To do what you know you should do. The sooner you do it, the greater sense of peace you're going to have.